Hello, friends. This episode is sponsored by My Catholic Doctor. What if you had a doctor you could really trust? Someone who made decisions based on science, not politics. A doctor that meets you where you are in your suffering. A doctor who understands the role of faith in your health and treats the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. For more than 2,000 years, the Catholic Church has answered the call of Jesus Christ from Luke 10, verse 9, to cure the sick and proclaim the kingdom of God is near. At My Catholic Doctor, they continue this 2,000-year tradition of the healing ministry of Jesus Christ while utilizing cutting-edge technology and modern healthcare. They accept almost every major insurance plan in the United States and offer low self-pay rates. They offer a variety of different services such as virtual primary care, male and female fertility care, functional medicine, mental health, urgent care on demand with no appointment necessary, and much more. They are committed to making authentic pro-life Catholic healthcare accessible to all. Their faithful clinicians are ready to meet you where you are. Visit www.mycatholicdoctor.com today to make an appointment or to get seen now. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hello, dear friends, and welcome to season 12 of the Abiding Together podcast. We are so excited to be back with you for another season. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. And we have people from all over the world on this walk together, and you are most, most welcome. My name is Sister Miriam James, and every week I'm joined by two of my very dearest friends, Michelle Benzinger and Heather Kim. And we speak about what the Lord is doing in our life, the movements of the Holy Spirit, what is breaking our hearts, what is healing us, and where the Lord is leading us to deeper relationship with Him. So wherever you find yourself today, wherever that is, you are most welcome. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of our summer series for the Abiding Together podcast. And we are now in week four of our apostolic exhortation titled Christi Fidelis Laici. So we're going to talk about labors in the Lord's Vineyard. In this particular section, there's a a great variety of topics. So the Holy Father is going to lead us through vocations, right? Young people, children, older people, women and men, the anthropological and theological foundations, mission, the church and the world, the sick and the suffering, the states of life and vocations. And one thing we're going to pull out is kind of a a guiding quote is from number 45, where it says that in commenting on these words of the gospel, St. Gregory the Great makes a comparison between the various times of the call. So he's talking about the, when the, the, the parable Jesus tells about, you know, calling the laborers out into the vineyard and the different stages in life. And he says, it is possible to compare the different hours he writes to the various stages in a person's life. So what we're talking about in this call to the lay people of the Catholic church is not just for young people or just for married people. It's for people of all ages. So Heather Kim, my dear friend, would you like to kick us off today on some of your thoughts as we go into this? Yeah, in this chapter, I was just uh, like struck by the church's deep love for every person. Mm -hmm. You know, like I felt like they just went through so many ages, so many stages, so many states of life and people who are on the periphery. And and I just thought, oh, what a good mother the church is that Mm. despite like, I, I understand this is not without like pain that occurs from people within the church, but that's not the, that's not who she is. And her heart is for everyone that you don't have to conform to one way. You don't have to be a certain thing. You don't have to be at a certain class or a certain stage of life that, that everyone is welcome into the arms of mother church. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. I just felt really comforted as I read through all of that. I was like, there's so many of us that feel alone and isolated and like, we don't belong. 
often. Mm -hmm. And this chapter was just like a reaffirmation of you belong no matter who you are, no matter where you are, your gender, your whatever, like you, Mm -hmm. you belong here Mm -hmm. in her arms to Mm -hmm. be loved and welcomed and be safe here. How about you, Michelle? First thoughts? Yeah, I love this chapter, actually. I think this has been my favorite one thus far. And I liked all the other ones, too. But like what you were saying, Heather, I was thinking about it. Like at the end, I think it's the end of 46. Like when he's talking about the youth, it says the church has so much to talk about with youth and youth have so much to share with the church. And then later down in that same paragraph, it says, The church looks to you with confidence and with love. She is the real youthfulness of the world. Look upon the church and you will find in her the face of Christ. And there was just something about that. And I was thinking about even like how he introduces this chapter, that it's different seasons of our life that we actually almost, in my mind, I was thinking that there's different seasons of our life that we encounter church as mother. And what does it look Mm -hmm. like? And this is just how my mind goes on the little tangents when I was thinking and just pondering that like, What if we even taught the church because basically salvation history is covenantal love, like the love Mm -hmm. of covenant. And I was like, what if we even taught the sacraments in the church almost through the lens of attachment theory? Baptism would be where you belong and where you're Mm -hmm. seen and known, where communion would be like where you're nurtured and attuned to. And reconciliation was taught like, okay, this rupture happens in a relationship, but let me tell you what happens when the rupture is repaired, Mm -hmm. that the church and the mother loves you even more and she is bonded to you even more than she was before. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where my mind goes. And I was thinking, okay. Like, wow. And it goes later on into the part where we'll go into where women, where it says like, you know, we have fruitful and innovative ways that haven't even been discovered yet. All right, let's get innovative here. Like let's, how do we bond people to the church? How do we get people in her gaze and therefore the gaze of Christ? Like it actually put a little fire in my belly, which was nice. And so what about you, sister? Yeah, I think I really, just speaking about the life of the church and attachment theory and things like that, I really am convinced that, what the Holy Spirit is doing and those kind of new movements in psychology, I think it's really a sign of like the Holy Spirit. And if if, if it's too. true, it has to be found in Christ. And so that would mm-hmm. make sense because we we experience sometimes segment like we talked about during Lent with Dr. Bob's book of on this healing power of the sacraments. We experience the sacraments as kind of exterior to us, or they don't really have anything to do with quote unquote real life. But if the model of psychosexual development, of human development is attachment, a strong and holy connection from the moment of conception in the womb. And that whole journey forward of identification and then peer belonging and then opposite sex attraction, it just got all those things that are happening. If that's like the, the trajectory of the human person, in order to give the gift of self and community, that would have to be centered around Christ. And the church would have to model that. And you just, I, you just see that. So I, I, I think that's so true. I think it's very beautiful. And I, I appreciate also in this chapter as it begins is that we do talk a lot about youth and we talk a lot about, a lot about young adults, but I love that they talk about children. Me too. And I, and how often does the church talk about children? And sometimes people are like, oh, children, you know, they're too loud or they're, I just, I love this. It says children are a continual reminder, number 47. Children are a continual reminder that the missionary fruitfulness of the church has its life-giving basis, not in human means and merits, but in the absolute gratuitous gift of God. Children, even in their own suffering at times, are in virtue, live in the virtue of the cross of Christ, and they are a source of spiritual enrichment for them and for the entire church. Everyone ought to be more conscious and grateful for this fact. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just how often, in, I think in America especially, you know, it's like, oh, the kids are too loud at mass and things like that. And I mean, it's just like, 
I love going to a mass where there's tons of kids. I just, it's such a beautiful thing. I mean, there's so that gift of childhood, I think is really, it's just a really beautiful gift as well. So yeah, Heather, what else sticks out to you that we can kind of talk about today as we think about section four? Well, I love the part about women. I feel like I'm just like waiting for us to get there because it was so good. It was Mm -hmm. so good. That, that piece. So I don't know. Can we dive in? I say we go ahead. Why don't you go ahead? Go go. for it. Yeah. We can talk about whatever we want. It's our podcast. All right. Talk about whatever you want. It's our podcast. Yeah. It's ours. Um, I just have one more thing to say about the children. I actually, that really stood out to me also. And, but when it says later on in 47, children as living members of the family contribute in their own way to the sanctification of their parents. Amen. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. You know, like right now, like I'm getting my butt kicked because like to, my children are just really bringing sanctified girl. Yeah. I'm getting sanctified. Like they're bringing stuff up in me and basically like the littler parts of myself. Yeah. That I need to look back about my own childhood because I was like, okay, it's really not them. Like my reaction, you know, you know, when your reaction doesn't meet the situation that it's, Oh, it's probably not the other person. It's probably you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh my goodness. But they are, unless you become like a little child, that littleness, that's where the greatness lasts. And I just think that's mm-hmm. just such an amazing thing. And I just started going back and reading some of the writings of Sophia Cavaletti, who was one of the creators of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Now, if there is a beautiful way to teach catechesis and religion, I firmly believe catechesis is a good shepherd because it is, it's like you become like a child, you know, and that is the kingdom of God. And so, yeah, but then, all right, now here we go. All the ladies go Heather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Can we start with your favorite quote, Michelle, that you yes, have? It's in, in pink. You, you, people can't see this, but in our document, our notes document, <laughs> Michelle put her favorite quote in pink. So we yeah. just would, without further ado, Michelle Bensinger, please. Yeah, you go girl. Please do. Um, hold on. You have to read the quote because I don't have the thing oh, in front of me. Okay. Go for it. Okay. Here is Michelle's favorite quote from this document. If anyone has this task of advancing the dignity of women in the church and society, it is women themselves Mm -hmm. who must recognize their responsibility as leading characters. Mm. Hmm. I love that. that your favorite, Michelle? Discuss. Tell us all your thoughts. Part of it, it reminds me of the scene from The Holiday where he tells her like, I get it. Like it's Kate Winslet is across the dinner table from the older gentleman that she comes. If you've ever seen the movie Holiday, there is some steamy parts, so maybe not. But anyway, Mm -hmm. and he looked at her simply and he said, you've been playing the supporting character and you haven't been playing the leading character, leading lady character of your own life. Mm. And I think that is even for us. Like, I think it's very easy for us to step back, to diminish our voices, to become small. And I think there's a difference between becoming small and being little. Yeah, amen. Becoming small is because you shrink back in fear, where mm-hmm. being little is because you surrender to the greatness of God. Like that's mm-hmm. a totally that's a different thing. And Put that on a coffee mug right there. It's <laughs> a big coffee mug that's to fit good, all that. Oh, yeah, seriously. That's <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah, we drink a lot of coffee though, so we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But I also think like when we were reading these sections on women, I do, I get that fire in my belly. The time is now. Like if we want to see the complete picture, the both and of God, it is women and men. And Mm -hmm. God is not releasing women like I am women. Hear me work to the detriment of men where the Mm -hmm. men go down lower. It is raising both of them on equal and complementary grounds. So the fullness Mm -hmm. of God's glory can be displayed. And that Mm -hmm. is what John Paul II so beautifully and prophetically is trying to say here. Like, all right, we need to get in there. Like the feminine genius does need to 
balance out the masculine genius so we can see the fullness of God's design for mm-hmm. humanity. Yeah, it's both end. And he and he says that both women and men and are men. equally capable of receiving the outpouring of divine truth and love in the in the Holy Spirit. Both receive his salvific and sanctifying visits. And I think right now what we're seeing in society is like as w- as women are, you know, we've acknowledged there's been oppression throughout history in different ways. And as women are being welcomed into every sphere of life, there is a tendency right now, I think, from a from a secular view to like press down men to almost like step on men to raise yes. themselves mm-hmm. up instead of the door being opened for women, for women to come into the fullness of who they are, not at the expense of men, Mm-mm. you know. And, and that's what I love about what the church is saying, especially JP too. He's so good about the complementarity and the differences that the differences are actually where so much beauty is that we're not supposed to conform to how men are or vice versa, that, that we all have the power. It's like, it's a shared responsibility mm-hmm. and a mutual gift. And that's how we see the image of God is in both sister. What, are, what were your thoughts? Yeah. And it's, you can't you know, raise up one without raising the other or disparage one without disparaging the other. And the two, as difficult as it is at times, the two have to go together because we're made, you know, man and woman are made for one another and it only makes sense in light of the other. We only make sense in light of the other. And it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's sad that kind of what's happening right now. I mean, you see the original, it's the same attack in the garden in Genesis that the enemy goes after Eve. And then it's from that is the destruction of Adam. And so you just see that as the enemy goes after woman, it's the destruction of man and, and just, you know, toxic masculinity, things like that. And just the masculinity of men is not toxic. It's glorious. You know, just like our femininity is glorious, it's not toxic. And and there are there are, are representations of it and there all of us have broken places within us that are very hurtful to others. But because we're made in the image and likeness of God, we're very good. And it, it only happens when we we both heal. And in number 49, it says, gathering together the pronouncements of the Second Vatican Council, which reflect the gospel's message and the church's history. The Synod Fathers formulated, among others, that the precise recommendation, it is necessary that the church recognize all the gifts of men and women for her life and mission and put them into practice. The Synod proclaims that the church seeks the recognition and use of all the gifts, experiences, and talents of men and women to make her mission effective. And I think we have to really look at those places in our own hearts and allow the Lord to bring those into into bear. And that we're not squelching. You know, there's always going to be a particular animosity directed toward the woman because that's the original sin. Like that's the original bent of the enemy, right? To I will put enmity between you and the woman. But mm-hmm. in that, I think we as women can do a lot by allowing the Lord to heal us so that we're not hurting each other. Cause a, a, mm-hmm. many times that the pain, we come from each other, like we can be pretty, mm-hmm. pretty awful to each other. So I think how do we uphold one another and champion one another and to be sisters, real sisters on the journey together, which is what we try to do the biting together podcast. Like that's our heart is to empower women to really love who they are in the Lord and to be a gift to each other. And that will only bless mankind. Like that will only bless humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's important for women to, in, in particular, both men and women, but right now I'm hearing and we've briefly talked about this, but I have an area of concern of like a message that I'm hearing amongst people within the church. It's not the voice of the church. So just to clarify, but just certain individuals, their opinions are that married women should be at home and that's it. And they should never do anything outside of that primary vocation. And 
And there's a concern that I have there because I love the primary vocation. I think it's so important that mothers mm-hmm. are home with their children and that, you know, husbands and wives like are be able to create a, a home that is filled with love and care and compassion and that bonding happens and all of those things. But also, like the church is saying here, women need to be in every sphere of life, that God has callings on our Mm -hmm. life that should never be at the expense of the primary vocation, should Mm -hmm. never be at the expense of, you know, whatever that is, whether we're married or uh, religious or whatever. But but still, God sometimes has a call within the call, (laughs) you know, where where he's inviting us to play a part, whatever that Mm -hmm. might be, and to bring his kingdom into certain places that in our own unique way, no one else can do that. It is the uniqueness of our gifts. So it's not an easy answer at, mm-hmm. at, at all, but I'm just saying I have some concern about this because I think we need to ask the Lord, what is mm-hmm. your call on my life? You know, mm-hmm. what does that look like? And if you've called me to the married or religious life, how do I respond to the unique way that you are asking me to love within that, mm-hmm. that vocation? Mm-hmm. And to realize that your vocation and the call that the Lord has put are not opposed to one another. They're not at war exactly. with one another. They flow out mm-hmm. of it. Your mission flows out of your vocation. The series that we did, what is your sisterhood? What does your bride look like? What does your motherhood mm-hmm. look like? In the vo- in your vocation, whatever vocation or season you're in, how is that displayed in out in the world because it has to be displayed. It has to come out. It has to flow out of it or it'll be stagnant. So there's something mm-hmm. that has to be coming and overflow. And I do, I feel strong, like extremely strong that there is just a power, like a real revival. Like it says the spirit and the bride say, come. Mm-hmm. I've said this before, but who gets a bride ready for the wedding feast? It's other women get the bride mm-hmm. ready. You know, it says men go to war, but women get the bride ready for weddings. And I mean, and we wore ourselves too, like we can fight also in our feminine way also, but there's something about that, like the intimacy of the bride, getting the bride ready. And I do think there's going to be a real revival of women. I think it's especially going to be displayed though, through our maternity, mm-hmm. both spiritual and physical. Mm-hmm. But I think the spiritual just as much. I, agree. I mean, I think the spiritual, I was just watching this cute 19 year old girl with my 14 year old girl daughter, you know, and just speaking into her life and being, I'm like, that's spiritual maternity. Mm-hmm. You are a mom right there. Like you mm-hmm. are like, that is spiritual maternity. You are bearing life. You are speaking life. Therefore that is motherhood. And I think there's something about when mothers come together, spiritual and physical mothers come together to pray. There is something I keep mm-hmm. on going back to Hannah and Deborah a lot in the Old Testament when Hannah stood, like she stood and it was like a, you know, foreshadowing Mary standing at the cross. Like when we stand with other people in their pain, in their sorrow, in their thing, and we stand and we pray before the throne of God, there's power. That mm-hmm. is a powerful thing. And I just feel like... The Lord is extending every one of us, women and men, but right now I'm talking about women, just of a fullness, a fullness to more, like a fullness Mm -hmm. of more of the Holy Spirit, but a fullness more of our vocation of the bride, of motherhood. And like he's saying, how are we going to respond? Let us, may Mm -hmm. may we respond in love and boldness and complete Mm -hmm. surrender, all the above. Yeah, that's very true, Michelle. And what a gift. Uh, you know, Alice von Hildebrand many years ago wrote a book on the privilege of being a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's what a privilege it is. And and for 
many parts of our stories. I think all of us have places of our stories or places even that we hold shame in our own bodies or our emotions or just emotionally or whatever that is for us where it doesn't feel like a privilege and it doesn't feel like a gift and it doesn't feel like something that is really beneficial. But because the Lord wills us into existence and he creates us to be so, it has to be good. And I I just, yeah, it's just a incredibly beautiful reality that the Lord is inviting us to. And and it goes, I mean, this is a great, they're all great chapters, but that's a great chapter about the the beauty of woman and the complementarity of man and woman. And it also speaks about marriage too. This is in number 52. It says, the Christian family also builds up the kingdom of God in history through the everyday realities that concern and distinguish its state of life. It is thus in the love between husband and wife and between the members of the family, a love lived out in all of its extraordinary richness of values of demands, totality, oneness, fidelity, and fruitfulness, that the Christian family's participation in the prophetic, priestly, and kingly mission of Jesus Christ and of his church finds expression and realization. I love that. That Woo. beauty of just the power of the domestic church. Just, oh, it's just so beautiful. It's so easy for us to overlook these things. And I think it's so great that we're revisiting this or even for, you know, many of us revisiting this for the first time of like, what is the mission of your family? Like, What is the charism of your family? What is the gift that God's given to your family for a time such as this? The gift that you have of imaging God in a particular way that's that's holy and beautiful. And not being afraid to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you calling our family to? Like, even if, you know, whatever family we're in, you know, whether it's a community or a family of young people, whatever that family you're in, like, what, Lord, what is your purpose for this? Because if, if it's truly from God, it has a purpose, has a mission, like we said, from the communion. Yeah, that's a, it's a fascinating thing as you enter into marriage to try to see, well, really to discover like what God has in store for you as a couple and and you as a family. There is a unique gift that a couple in a family is called to bring to the world, like mm-hmm. unique charisms, a unique mission, and and taking time to discover that as a family and as a couple, mm-hmm. if you're if that is your state of life, vocation that God has called you to is actually a really beautiful process, wouldn't you say, Michelle? Like oh, to I love it. to identify like what's mm-hmm. your family mission and how do all the members of the family participate in that? So, for example, with Jake and I in our ministry and healing and restoration, our children have participated in that as we've welcomed people into our home and they stay here and. And they're loved by the entirety of our family. It's not just the work of Jake and I. Families participate in the healing and the restoration of every individual. And and that's part of what's being pointed out here. But Michelle, do you have anything to say about that? No, I just think like that quote that Sister read, that's it right there. Mm-hmm. It's living in your, it's, and it really goes back to what we have said before, but even going back to the study with Bob, it's living out your baptismal call as priest, prophet, and mm-hmm. king in the context of the domestic church. And that's a powerful thing mm-hmm. when that gets ignited in the power of the Holy Spirit. I like how he goes on to talk about the sick and the suffering. Yes. Just mm-hmm. like, I think that's really powerful. And I was actually even thinking, sister, like for you and Heather also for you, like just even like he's talking about physical, but I'm even thinking emotional suffering, mm-hmm. like the... Both of you have a, I mean, all of us do in a way, shape or form, but especially um, just a charism of healing. And so like, what were you thinking about that sister? Like just born in the mystery of redemption. Like, and I love how he says at the very end, he consecrates all this to mother of the redeemer. Mm -hmm. And that's how he even started his pontifical as Christ, the redeemer, a man, like the Lord is redeeming and healing. So I would just love to hear y'all's thoughts on that. I, well, I, that's, yeah, I was, I was actually going to talk about that very thing. And I, like, it was really to reframe like what Heather was saying at the very beginning of everybody belongs in the church. 
All yeah. of us belong. All of us have a home. And it's not just the healthy, the sleek, and the young. It's the old, it's the young, it's the sick, it's the suffering. And and the profound closeness of Christ with the sick and the suffering. And all of us, all of us live the Paschal mystery. All of us experience the suffering. And and I think that's part of the struggle that in many denominations talk about this. But when we go to Mass on Sunday or go to church on Sunday and it looks like everything's perfect and there's no place to be broken in the church. There's no place to bring suffering. There's no place to bring marital struggles. There's no place to bring, and just to say, you know what, I'm not okay right now. And because most of us don't know what to do with that, and we offer platitudes or we say, well, you should do this, but most of us don't know how to hold space for our own places there, much less anybody else. And But the church, like all of us are broken. All of us have suffering. All of us have struggles. All of us have doubts. Uh, you know, it's it's in all of us. And, and, and the church is not afraid of that. Christ is not afraid of that. Our Lady's not afraid of that. And I, I appreciate his appeal to Our Lady. He says, together with Mary, the mother of Christ, who stood beneath the cross, we pause beside all the crosses of contemporary man, and we ask all of you who suffer to support us. We ask precisely you who are weak to become a source of strength for the church and humanity. In the terrible battle between the forces of good and evil revealed to our eyes by our modern world, may your sufferings in union with the cross of Christ be victorious. Mm-hmm. And amen, because there are some things that are only won through prayer and fasting, which is prayer and suffering many times. Mm. Heather, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, and they can become like an icon, like a living Mm -hmm. gospel. If people in the midst of suffering are able to welcome Jesus into into their various ailments, whether it be physical or within the heart, wounds of the heart, I I think, and we are able to witness like a resurrection that occurs within them, even if if the suffering doesn't go away, even if there's not like a a full healing, but sometimes it's like the renewal of the mind and the perspectives Mm -hmm. and the the joy that can come in the midst of suffering only when Christ has entered in, that becomes an incredible witness to all of us that this is who Jesus is. He's the one who transforms and heals and restores and brings joy no matter what. It flips everything on its head that there's life to be found even in the midst of, of darkness. And I know people in, in my life, like even my mom who, who lost a son, he was seven years old when he died. And to see the witness of her life in the midst mm-hmm. of suffering, how Christ has come in to, to reside with her there and to bring healing so that she can then be a witness of what he can do to other people who are suffering. And that's just like one example, but people are living in this all the time. It is an, an amazing gift and an opportunity for us, for those who are suffering, who haven't encountered Christ there, for us to to bring him into those situations through our kindness, our love, our care, and also our words. And I think this would be a really good just time to pause and pray, like and ponder for each of us, you know, because he ends this chapter in like, how are we stewarding the gifts that have been given to us? And I'm almost like reframing that with the scriptures that are given in this chapter, like what areas of our life do we see that are fruitful right now? What areas in our life are not bearing fruit right now? And if they're not bearing fruit, ask the Holy Spirit, what's going on? Get holy curiosity about that. And like, all right, why is this not bearing fruit? Mm -hmm. And is there something that needs to be pruned in my life? But how am I stewarding the gifts that the Lord has given me in my life right now? Like Sister Alvin says, love always asks for a response, an invitation. You know, the Holy Spirit is sending an invitation for us to be fruitful, to us to be overflowing and abundant. But it takes Sometimes to pray and ponder, like, okay, Lord, where am I fruitful? Where am I not? And gosh, I hate the pruning process because it always feels like something's being pruned in my life, people. But, you know, but John Paul II says, do we, we have to grow. We have to mature. 
there's a maturation process and it goes more into that in the fifth chapter, but there is a maturation process. Like what's the alternative? We become stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. And to ask the Lord, like, what is the mission field that you're calling me to? Yeah. Whatever that mm-hmm. might be, whether it's as a nurse or as a whatever, like a mom, like it, it doesn't matter where we are. God is calling us to share his presence with people. And maybe that's a question we need. We maybe we knew before and our state of life has changed and we need to ask again because the Lord has something for all of us. And it's in the making a gift of ourselves that we will find ourselves. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's how it works. Any last thoughts, sister? Uh, just lastly, yeah, that very last paragraph of 56, where he says, in this regard, the apostle Peter gives us a stern warning, right? But it's really an invitation as each has received a gift, employ it for one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And so maybe that's something, whether we're in small groups right now or we're by ourselves or by the beach, maybe we could just spend some time this week really asking the Lord to reveal some of those things to us, the, the questions that Michelle and Heather both brought forward. Those are good places. Just be like, all right, Lord, what do you what do you want to say to me here? Because the Lord's always about the work. He's always about the renewal of the garden. And in that, he brings us into the fullness of life. So There's that last line there that says, no talent, no matter how small, is to be hidden or left unused. Amen. I have a talent with a kazoo. Does that, do you think that counts? <laughs> it definitely counts. I feel like the Lord, the Lord wants to use that to build his it's, kingdom. It's a small talent. <laughs> Heather, it's a small talent. Okay. Okay. Maybe I will. I'll consider maybe it. Maybe I will. I'm going to put out a, I'm going to put out a digital album called Sister Miriam's Kazoo. Um, anyway, we digress. All right. So next week, we're going to conclude our series with chapter five, which is that you bear much fruit. So literally we're bearing fruit, the formation of the lay faithful. So, but Michelle, as we conclude our time together, what would you like to share? What is your one thing for our listeners this week? My one thing is I just have to shout out again to the people over at Word on Fire. You all create Mm -hmm. such beautiful resources. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just recently got the new Bible they did. It's the third volume of this Bible set. And it is on Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. And I love it. I love the commentaries they have in it. I love the artwork. I love the binding. It is just so beautiful. And I love the other two volumes also. And like I go back to them often just because of the artwork and the commentary. Mm-hmm. But like this one has Dorothy Day. It has Hildegard. It has St. Bernard of Clairvaux. I mean, it is just beautiful. And so, yes, but I will leave the link. It is such just a gorgeous resource. I just love it. Mm-hmm. And so, so thank you, Word on Fire, for creating such beauty. I appreciate it. You know, Heather, what about you? Well, it's funny because it's a nice complimentary thing to your one thing is the catechism, the new catechism that Ascension yeah. put out. It's not new in content, but no. just You're like, oh, how did they? they? You're like, I don't know if we, yeah. 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 yeah, they added some things. It's like in layman's terms, no. <laughs> like, there's yeah. none of that, people. No, there's none of that. I'm just kidding. No, it is the catechism, but the way that they formatted it, it's really beautiful. And I, I just have loved it. I, they gave me a copy when I was at a conference and I'm just so grateful to have it. It's really, really beautiful. So if you, maybe you've been doing the catechism in a year or whatever with Father Mike, or maybe you haven't, but it is a beautiful resource to have because I think sometimes, you know, we can just listen to other people's opinions about the church and we forget to just like read the actual, what the church is actually saying and teaching and preaching. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good resource that everybody mm-hmm. should have. So yeah, check ah, it out. Which is so, oh, it's so beautiful. Well, I have something that goes along with both of your things. Wow. We didn't even know we we're going to do this. So 
as you are reading the beautiful scripture from produced by the Bible, but we're on a fire, or you're sitting by the beach reading the catechism, you might want to... <laughs> this is great. I feel like I'm on an infomercial right now. This is like... Why are you reading? We're, we're in rare yeah. form. You might want to listen. This is an oldie but a goodie, but this still comes up in my Spotify daily playlist, is the album Peace by Bethel Music. Mm. And that came out. That came out in 2020. And so, but that is my go-to album for so many things. And it is literally so peaceful. So if you can put Mm -hmm. that on the background and wash dishes, maybe you just need, maybe it's that time in the summer where you're like, I can't take one more thing. And just putting that on the background and just letting sing that word, the beautiful worship as you do dishes or read or fold laundry or whatever that is, I think it would really bless you. So I just wanted to give that again. I just, it's one of my favorites. So peace. You know how they created that album? With like regulating yes, emotions right. and stuff like that, with yeah. like the tone the of the music sounds. and the tempo and mm-hmm. the woo. I mean, they went deep on mm-hmm. that one. They yeah. did. I'd forgotten. They have two albums that. actually. They have part two. They as do. Well. Yeah. I really like the first one though. I, the first I one's still I my first one's still my favorite. I was like, I like that one. So I agree. All right. Well, dear friends, we will see you next week at the conclusion of our apostolic exhortation. So until then, we'll be abiding together. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend and leave us a review? We encourage you to head over to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, links to our one things, group discussion questions for each episode, and beautiful coffee mugs, t-shirts, journals, and prints in our shop. There you can also subscribe to receive our weekly email with links to each new episode and all of the content. We'd love to connect on social media and invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so you can catch inspiring reflections every day. You're also welcome to join our private Facebook group and dive deeper into discussions with our fellow listeners. If the podcast has blessed you, would you prayerfully consider financially supporting us? The Abiding Together podcast is only available due to the generous support of our listeners. There are significant costs associated with creating this content, such as tech support, design, website, equipment, and hired staff that we need to be able to continue offering great content. Abiding Together is a nonprofit 501c3, and all donations are tax deductible. You can make donations of any amount through the Patreon website. Or you can send us a check directly if that's easier for you. If you donate $15 or more per month on our Patreon page, you become a tribe member. And you will receive bonus content every month such as recipes, music playlists, downloadable prints, and more. You can find all the information at patreon.com slash abidingtogetherpodcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.